0: Welcome to the OVC Extra Podcast. I'm your host, Kyle Schwartz, Assistant Commissioner for Strategic Communications at the Ohio Valley Conference. If you want to catch up on previous episodes, you can find us wherever you download your podcast with complete information at ovcsports.com podcast. We'll continue our OVC 75th year podcast series by hearing from retired Austin P. head men's basketball coach Dave Luce, who is the winniest men's basketball coach in OVC history. Luce, a four-time OVC coach of the year, was the Gov's head coach from 1990 through 2017 and finished his career with 421 victories, including 257 in league play. Overall, he won 502 games as a college head coach and also served as the Austin P Director of Athletics from 1997 through 2013. He was inducted into the OVC Hall of Fame in 2018. Now, my conversation with Dave Luce. Well, Coach Luce, thanks for taking time to join us on the OVC podcast.
1: Great to be here, Kyle. Thank you for having me.
0: Is this the first time you've ever been on a podcast?
1: No, it's not. Uh, okay. I don't have a lot of experience, but uh, a little.
0: Well, we got a lot to cover. You've got had quite a career, and now you're enjoying retirement. And just to give our listeners a... Um, some background. I called coach loose and he, I said, when can you do it? And you said, well, you, your schedule is pretty free, which I like to hear. Although I, I would think maybe you'd have a lot of plans in your retirement.
1: Well, I, uh, you know, actually I've been kind of busy. I, I uh, have a new appreciation for my wife. I'm doing some of the things that she did for 50 years. So I've uh, been, been uh, busy at that. I hang around the house a lot and play a little golf and uh, in addition to that, something that I really enjoy is, uh, seeing my grandchildren play in all of
0: their activities. Well, I'm glad your retirement then is one for Phyllis too. So she can take it easy after all those years of working hard at home. Let's go all the way back coach. And we'll, we'll talk about your family at the end. Baz, your, your careers dedicate to basketball. Where did that love of basketball begin?
1: Well, it started out as, uh, you know, when I was a youngster, uh, you know, eight, 10 years old, uh playing on the playground, in the backyards, wherever you could find a hoop, and, uh, you know, I I really uh, learned uh, basketball grew on me, and I look forward to when I got in high school, and uh, I I was actually in Catholic grade schools up until the eighth grade, and uh, at the eighth grade, uh, I talked my my mom and dad into letting me uh, attend the public uh, middle school so that I could play uh, team sports. And so that's how I got started. And then, uh, of course, moved into high school. was fortunate enough to play well enough that uh, after coming out, graduating, I uh, earned a scholarship to uh, Memphis State University, played uh, basketball and base baseball there. I was actually on a basketball uh, scholarship, but played baseball also. So was was... Um, it's a great time for me.
0: I knew you were a fantastic baseball player. So that was the next question I was going to ask you how you made that decision to do basketball over baseball, but was it the scholarship that ultimately decided that for you?
1: Uh, yeah, I think, uh, bottom line was the, the scholarship and, and, uh, you know, they offered me the opportunity to do both. Uh, some of the, some of the other people, uh, that, uh, you know, I was being recruited by, uh, that that wasn't a for sure. Uh, other than, uh, uh, you may be surprised to hear this. I visited Murray State, and uh, I would have been able to play basketball and and uh, baseball there.
0: Well, that's something I did not know. That that would have been a different career path uh, for sure. With the Murray State in the background, so what was your what was that like then? Playing the two sports in college and just your Memphis State experience.
1: Yeah, it, it uh, kept me quite busy, for sure. Um, you know, in the spring, as soon as basketball was over, I'd head for the baseball field, uh, uh, sometimes the, the next day after basketball ended. Um, I'd go out, uh, do a little fall practice before uh, our organized practices begin in or began in basketball. So it, it kept me busy. I probably could have done a little better as a student Uh, If I just played one sport, but I I enjoyed playing, and uh, you know, it was just a terrific experience for me.
0: You don't see that a lot now these days of people, especially basketball and baseball, um, people playing those sports. Maybe you see a football and maybe a track or something like that, but that's definitely unique.
1: Yeah, it it is a little unusual. And and, uh, actually, coming out of high school, I I was had played three sports there. Uh, I was a uh, quarterback and. Football and uh, had some interest from some schools there, and then of course basketball and and baseball. Um, you know, uh, as you mentioned, the the, school, the full scholarship and in basketball was, of course, very attractive, and uh, uh, my parents loved it too because uh, everything's going to be paid.
0: <laughs> so when your when your career, your playing career in college is coming to an end. Did you know you wanted to get into coaching, or how did it how did it turn out that you got into coaching after you were done?
1: You know, actually, my, uh, my hope was that I'd be able to play uh, professional baseball, and uh, when when that didn't work out, uh, like like a lot of young guys, you, you find out that you're not quite good enough to keep playing. Uh, then coaching was the next thing on on my list, and I I was fortunate, Kyle in that I had uh, terrific coaches while I was growing up, uh, not not just in high school, but, uh, you know, my little league, uh, youth league coaches were all really good people. And so uh, those are guys that, that I really admired. Uh, so it was kind of a natural path for me.
0: And so, you know, you broke in and you were an assistant in Memphis State and then Christian Brothers uh, high school before, before you took over as the head coach of Christian brothers, but I want to advance a little bit. How did the Austin P opportunity come forward in, uh, in 1990?
1: Yeah, I, uh, <clears throat> I had applied for the, for the job at Austin P and, um, came down to four guys. Uh, w. Smith was, was a candidate. Uh, one of Bob Knight's, uh, assistants was, was a candidate. Uh, Terry Truax who had been at Damatha High School, uh, was also a candidate and uh, somehow uh, with a stroke of luck, I was the last man standing and uh, I got the job at Austin P and uh, boy it was a tremendous blessing for me. Uh, I had no idea when I, when I started at Austin P that I would be there as long as I was 20, 27 years. Uh, but it was, uh, as I said, a real blessing for me, and uh, I had a great uh, great time there, very appreciative of, of the opportunity. Tim Weiser uh, was the uh, athletic director at the time, and uh, Dr. Oscar Page, and I'm deeply indebted to those two guys because they, uh, they're the ones that gave me the opportunity.
0: You had 27 years. You had so many good teams. I'm not going to ask you to name your favorite team or your favorite players because I know it's all of them, but I want to talk about some of those teams um, and then see what memories stand out. 95-96, that was your first NCAA tournament team. What do you remember about that group?
1: Well, uh, our our marquee player on that team was uh, Bubba Wells, and uh, we were really fortunate in that uh, everybody bought in. Uh, You know, he was a terrific player. And, uh, you know, we didn't have any jealousies or anything like that. Everybody played their role. Uh, you know, some of the other guys on that team, uh, Joe Sibbett was a three point shooter and, uh, Joe was uh, bright enough to figure out if he got on the same side of the floor as Bubba Wells, they were going to be doubling down and he'd pitch it out and he could bury a three. Uh, he held that record in the OVC until just last year, I think. Uh, so, uh, Jermaine Savage was a terrific uh, player. He averaged about 17 a game for us that year, uh, that we went to the NCAA tournament. And uh, but he was our best defender too. And he was such a good defender. I think people overlook the fact that he averaged about 17 points a game. Reggie Crenshaw. Uh, we we had some terrific players on that on that team
0: the goals, right, to get to, to win the OVC and get to NCAA tournament every year. So, you know, you'd been there, you know, five years or so before that. What's that feeling then when when you, this team is going to the NCAA tournament? How do, how does that feel?
1: Well, we had been to the NCAA tournament at Memphis uh, a couple of times. So, you know, I, I, uh, that was my first experience. Um, but when, when, uh, you know, when we won at, uh, in, in Nashville and, and I was the head coach for the first time to go to the NCAA. It was thrilling. I mean, it was uh, a real highlight, uh, probably the highlight of my career up to that point. And um, uh, we, we played in uh, Florida. We played against Georgia Tech and and played, played pretty well. Uh, didn't come out with a win, but uh, played well against a, a real good Georgia Tech team coached by uh, Bobby Cremins.
0: Now, not every team gets to go to the NCAA tournament, obviously, but that doesn't define success, obviously. Your O two, O three team went, but the next year, 03-04, you were 16-0 in, uh, in the conference play, but you you ended up going to the NIT. What about that team? What's it's hard to go undefeated in, in conference play? What do you remember about that squad? Well,
1: that was a great defensive team. Uh, as you mentioned, we we were 16-0 in, in in the conference and held our opponents to 57 points a game on average uh, during the conference season, which is uh, almost unbelievable. Uh, we, we were so good defensively that we, we could get three or four stops until we could score. And uh, so that, that's my, uh, my favorite memory about that team is how good they were defensively, how they gelled as a team, played together at, you know, Adrian Henning Brett Wiersbaugh, Corey Gibson. Uh, we had some terrific players on that team, and it was disappointing. You know, we, we go 16-0, and 0, then we win two tournament games, so we had won 18 OVC games in a row, and, uh, and then Mick Cronin's uh, Murray State team beat us in the championship. So to go that far and not be able to finish it off, it was disappointing, but uh, didn't define uh, that team. I mean, we, we had a great season, and, and uh, one, one of the best teams we've had for sure.
0: What you said that, interesting about what makes a defensive team? Is it the play, the, did you ever recruit, oh we need more offense, we need more defense, or you just recruit the best players and sometimes they end up being better defensive and sometimes they better being better offensive. How, do, how does that work?
1: I think the, the defensive thing is is a mindset, uh, a, a willingness to uh, you know, to play hard on both ends. And uh, to take on the challenge of, uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna am I'm gonna stop you. And as I said, we we were capable of getting three or four stops in a row uh, with that team to uh, to win, uh, you know, 16 games in a row. And, and then I think it was primarily the mindset of that group of guys. I mean, we had some tough-minded uh, players: uh, Gibson, Weirspa, uh, Adrian. You know, it, uh, it it was really a, an outstanding basketball team, the best defensive team I've, I've ever coached.
0: If you have a just in general, if you have a team that's not as good defensively, how do you adjust for that? What what kind of things would you do as a coach to either make them better defensively or or, or play to their strengths? Um, well, uh,
1: first of all. Uh, if if they don't want to guard, uh, we didn't get along very well, <laughs> and, and there were those times. Uh, you just try to be as good as you as you possibly can, and uh, you know, hopefully, if if you're not uh, uh, as good defensively, you can make up for it on the offensive end. And we've had we've had teams like that. Uh, I, I think one of the most talented teams we had was uh, in two thousand two thousand one with uh, Trenton Hassel, uh, Nick Stapleton. Uh, you know, those those were uh, Jake Away, Joe Williams. Uh, that was a, a good offensive team. Uh, not quite as good defensively, although Trenton Hassel went to the NBA. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, he was uh, that was his role. He, he was a, a good defender on the highest level. So, uh, you know, you have to figure out each time uh, what kind of team you have, and uh, you know how you're going to go from there. But I, I think generally, you you know you put your defense in, and then you have to be ready to tweak it a little bit based on your opponents, based on your squad, so forth. So that's how you analyze. You
0: know, you went on to a couple more NCAA tournament appearances, but one near the end of your career is I think this last in people's memory that 2015-16 uh, team. You, your regular season probably wasn't as good as what you wanted. You were seven and nine. You're the eighth seed in the tournament. I think, I don't remember exactly, but somebody had to win the last day of the regular season to make sure you all got in. Right. And then you win four yeah. games in four games in four days. This it had to be special to you, but what can you tell me about that season?
1: Well, first of all, you know, as you mentioned, somebody had to help us and, and uh, you know, Uh, I remember sitting in a local restaurant here with their coaches after our game was over and we had won, but we still needed some help to get in the tournament. And, and we were watching the score uh, that night. And and, uh, of course we were happy that we were able to get in. It turned out right for us and we got the help that we needed. And uh, we snuck into the tournament. And then, as you said, we won four games in four nights. Uh, The first game was against tech where, uh, Chris Horton just went off. He had 37 points and 21 rebounds. Uh, He was unbelievable that night. Uh, The second second night, we we, uh, get behind TSU and, uh, you know, uh, storming back and end up winning that game. Uh, The third game was uh, the one that was incredible. It was against Belmont in the semifinal. It took... uh, uh, we played the regular forty minutes. we're We're tied with Belmont. We played five minutes of overtime. And, and still not a definitive winner yet. They, the officials had to go to the monitor uh-huh. to see if the Belmont last shot attempt uh, would 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 count. And uh, fortunately for us, it was a little late. but it was a it was an unbelievable week. Uh, you know, we had the performance by Chris Horton uh, throughout the, the four games. Uh, Jared Savage, uh, who is the son of uh, Jermaine Savage, who had played for us on our first NCAA team. Jared hit 19 threes that week. So uh, he had a pretty good season in four, <laughs> just in four nights. So It was uh, an incredible experience. I, I've, uh, one, I've never witnessed one like that uh, before.
0: Is it any sweeter because it was unexpected? Like, if you're the number one seed and you're like, "Okay, we win," does it make it that you had to really earn it that year?
1: Well, I, I felt like we probably had to earn it every year. It's True. a tough thing to do, and, and and you know, the OVC was a was a tough league, and and uh, but it 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 was uh, as I look back, you know, it was a special week, you no know, question about it, one that uh, you know that. People bring up all the time, and so you, uh, you know, whether whether it was stood out more than any of the other NCAA teams we had, um, I don't know. But uh, it, it uh, it's one that everybody remembers. I don't think it's ever had ever been done, probably hadn't been done since where the, the, the last seed, uh, you know, got into the tournament and, and won.
0: You mentioned Murray State earlier. Obviously, the you, the toughness you said in winning OVC championships. There was a streak there for I don't know how many years either. You two all you two played in the finals, or one of the other one of you was in the finals. One of the best rivalries in OVC history. One of the best mid major rivalries. What was that like then to, to 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 face Murray State twice a year, sometimes three times a year? Because that really defined the OVC for a long time.
1: It was a headache. Give me a headache. <laughs> Murray State had a great program and still does. I had great respect uh, for their for their teams and their coaches and players. Uh, we we had some real battles. Uh, you know, they uh, they took us to the woodshed on a number of occasions, and and I think uh, twenty one times we won. So you know, it uh, it was a terrific rivalry. I remember a, uh, a, a magazine coming out uh, that that. Uh, Said Duke in North Carolina is not the top rivalry in the country. It's Austin V and Murray State. So that was a great pub for for our league and for our teams. Uh, but it, uh, you know, as I said, I had great respect for their program, and uh, the, the rivalry was uh, really fun. I thought it was healthy, and uh, you know, we're our our. Uh, Areas are backed up against each other, so these people interact uh, a lot, and that that uh, really uh, you know made the rivalry even better.
0: And that's why I was going to ask you. Obviously, sometimes rivalries are born because two teams are just really good, which you all were. But the proximity, I would think, that probably what's what makes it. And when you all played at Murray, a lot of Austin P fans came over. When they played at your place, a lot of their fans came over. Is that is that what adds to that fire and that rivalry?
1: Yeah, it, it did. Uh, you know, Murray's always traveled real well and our, our people were traveling well at the time. Uh, so that, that was a big part of it. Uh, you know, it, it, uh, it was hard to get a ticket sometimes. I know we, uh, as, as the athletic director, I sure liked that Murray home game. It, that was money in the coffers. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was fun. It was fun. And, and one of the things that's, uh, you know, one of the highlights of my career was that, that rivalry.
0: So you don't start south to be a coach necessarily to be the winningest coach in OVC history, but you became the winningest coach in OVC history. What do you remember about that game when, you know, you broke the record and, and obviously they celebrated you, but did, when did it set in like, wow, I, I achieved something pretty amazing?
1: Uh, well, first of all, Uh, Kyle, let me tell you that if people look real close, they'll probably figure out I lost a lot of games too. So (laughs) that kept me grounded. Uh, But I I think after it was all over, you know, I've spent – I'd be lying if I didn't say that I spent a little time, you know, sitting back now and looking and and saying, hey, you know, that was pretty nice. That was was good. Uh, But at the time, I mean, you're so busy – getting ready for the next game. And I mean, it's not that I don't remember it. I remember Cal Luther had been, the, had the most wins. And uh, I, I remember the, the night, uh, you know, that we, we surpassed that, but it, uh, it's really about uh, the players. I mean, you know, good coaches, uh, interest, interestingly enough, usually have really good players. So it, it was about them. And, uh, you know, it certainly was in our case. We've had a bunch of terrific players, and, uh, and I love uh, I love now looking back and seeing these guys and staying in touch with them and seeing uh, them with their own careers and their own families and uh, seeing how they're doing. You know, as as uh, citizens, and that that's really rewarding too. Uh, I counted up uh, recently. We have I think forty five people that left our program and, uh, went into coaching. So, uh, that that's, uh, something that I, I'm really fond of now, 20 years from now, they may be blaming that on me. I don't know. <laughs>
0: <laughs> you mentioned a minute ago about the athletic director role. So in you know, 97, you became the athletic director too, and you stayed in that role until 2013. What were the circumstances behind that? Why did you want to take on more responsibility?
1: Well, uh, you know, it was a, kind of a surprise to me, to be honest. Uh, I, I was uh, at the Dunn Center one day, and the, one of the vice presidents came and said, "Would, uh, would I ask me would I be interested in uh, becoming the AD. The current AD was leaving, and uh, my first question, uh, I, I remember this, was uh, can I continue to coach? And uh, he said, well... You know, you'll have to talk to the president, but my understanding is you could uh, for a short time, and then you'd have to make a decision. So I was uh, kind of a temporary, and uh, 16 years later is when <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, re, you know, relinquished those duties. So it was uh, it was interesting and and uh, really kept you busy for sure.
0: Yeah, what's the challenge there? So you talked about you're you're per, in basketball season. You're preparing for that next game, but then maybe the football coach needs something. Maybe the softball coach needs something for you. I'm going to assume you're going to say it's people to help you out too. But how do you balance those kind of things?
1: Well, uh, to to your point, first of all, I was really lucky. I had people in key positions: Brad Kirtley, Cheryl Holt, Tara, and in, and. In, uh, Compliance, Cheryl. Uh, I, I mentioned Cheryl. Uh, just, you know, I had people in in really key positions who knew how to do their job, and it sounds simple, but I basically just uh, let them do their job because they were very good. I was very fortunate. But uh, for me personally, uh, I I stay up late and get up early, and uh, <laughs> I try to get the things that I needed done, for instance, my practice plans that I would take to our coaches' meeting later in the day, I'd get that done before I got to the office because I knew that once I got to the office, uh, you know, somebody would be darkening the door to tell me uh, about their their issues, and I had to be available for that. So, uh, you know, I, I would uh, do the AD's thing uh, in the morning, and uh, late morning I would uh, – Put my basketball hat on, meet with our coaches, and like I said, we already would basically have a practice plan. But we would talk about our practices, uh, recruiting, and so forth. And uh, so it, it's it's uh, it's not an easy thing. I, I don't think it's the best way, but it uh, it worked for us. I think uh, okay.
0: Well, you did a great job at it, and you now that would be unheard of of some right now of a basketball coach doing the AD job, right?
1: Well. I mean, uh, the whole world of college athletics <laughs> sounds pretty tough to me right now. I, I, I probably uh, uh, departed at the right time. I, you know, with the uh, all that's going on with the NIL and, and the transfer portal and the immediately eligible uh, rule, it, it's, uh, yeah, it, it would be uh, impossible.
0: What do you think changed most from nineteen ninety when you got into coaching to twenty seventeen? What what was the one or two areas that were completely different by the time you decided to retire?
1: Well, uh, two two changes in the rules made a big difference in the in the game, uh, and that was the three point shot and the shot clock. So, from a rule standpoint, those were the two things that. Uh, you know really really changed the game um recruiting has um you know is, is an issue that has changed a great deal of course you know everybody knows where we are now uh with with recruiting and uh you know you have to recruit your own guys first make sure uh, find out who's staying and who's going and uh and, and then work the portal, and, and that's uh, wh- whether you like it or not. I, I, I think it's probably here to stay. Uh, you know, I hope we get some regulations along those lines. To but that's part of the game now. You, you recruit your own guys, and and then, you know, pay attention to the portal. So that was a big issue, also.
0: 2016-17 was your last season. So how did you know that was going to be your last? Or when did you know that was going to be your last season?
1: Well, the the year before, or actually it was 16. Uh, uh, I had uh, had a battle with cancer, and I uh, the next season uh, after we were the eighth seed and won the next season, I was going through chemotherapy, and uh, uh, there were days when I didn't didn't feel real uh, real good, and, and uh, it, at one point actually I had to take a two week. Uh, two weeks off and, and uh, some strength back and some energy. So I probably knew in the back of my mind that it was coming. I, I really didn't tell you that I wanted to, but, uh, you know, it, it is what it, what it is. So it, it, uh, it was a, a tough year from that standpoint.
0: Well, you allude. I think you alluded to this a minute ago. What do you miss most? And I'm sure the, it's the players and those memories. But you made that tough decision to step down, and and what what have you missed the last five or six years?
1: Well, I've stayed in touch with the guys, so you know, it, uh, that's something that uh, I really appreciate from them. They they take they still take my calls, and uh, you know we. We enjoy uh, keeping up with each other and and seeing how they're doing. Uh, You know, I get out and see uh, the guys that are in coaching. I I try to get out and see their teams. Uh, You know, we've uh, at at one point we had five former uh, coaches that were coaching in the in the OVC that had come from our program. Um, Corey Gibson now is the head coach at uh, uh, Northwestern State. got guys everywhere on on most levels out there coaching so uh i am able to keep up with them but i one thing that i do really miss is the um, preparation for practice and the actual practices Mm -hmm. i I really enjoyed that um you know it's nice to see a plan come to fruition and it'll drive you crazy when it doesn't so you have to have to be ready to tweak a little here and tweak a little there and uh that, that was uh, kind of fun, too.
0: What don't you miss about it?
1: Oh, probably uh, the travels. Uh, you know, we, we, we were in a good spot in the OVC geographically, you know, being kind of in the middle. But there were some long, long bus rides, a lot of time away from home. Um, I, I missed a lot of the things, probably most of the things that my four kids were involved in. Uh, my wife... You know, took care of that, uh, so I'm trying to make up for that as a grandfather right now. I, I get to get out to as many as as I can. Uh, that's one thing. I, I even though our kids were around the gym and could kind of be involved, uh, I miss seeing their activities and what they were doing.
0: Well, and I'm I want to ask you that transitions perfectly into some of your family and like just from my experience, like your kids were as much the part of Austin P as you were, and they've all gone on to do something. So I just, I want you to just brag about, and then we'll talk about your grandchildren, but just brag on your kids and, and what they did. And, you know, your son, David, he, the broad, the radio broadcast, like he, it was him and you, like, you know, you coached, he, he, he gave the fans that thing. So, but just what was it like to, even though you missed some things, having your kids close by and, and you know, interested in athletics to be around.
1: Well, I I would say that uh, uh, in David's case, he probably uh, knew what was going on in my mind uh, better than than anybody uh, because he was real close. As you said, he did the games on the radio, and I would bounce things off of him constantly. Uh, What what do you think about this? What do you think about that? And uh, sometimes I didn't like the answer, uh, but uh, he probably knew what was going on in my mind. Uh, from a basketball standpoint and a coaching standpoint, better than anybody else. Um, uh, my uh, son Todd's the second oldest. he He's a great fan of basketball. He loves basketball. He's a big grizzlies fan now, uh, but uh, he he really got into the game. So uh, you know I, I appreciated that. Um, my daughter, Nicole, was the director of our alumni division at Austin P for. 17 years, I think, and she's now uh, uh, moved on to uh, some real estate uh, work. So, uh, but she was a, a dancer uh, on her dance team. And I remember uh, one night, on more than one occasion, actually, uh, they would be seated at the end of the floor uh, during live balls. And I remember a couple of occasions where an official would come over to me and say, Coach, you need- You need to get her to quiet down a little bit over there. She did. uh, I think she did a little refereeing from the end of the floor there. So uh, I I had to uh, on occasion say, hey, you need to chill out down there a little bit and (laughs) leave these officials alone. And then finally, my my son, uh, Brad, who played for us uh, in in a reserve guard role, is now an assistant uh, athletic director at the University of Missouri. So uh, he's... uh, He's in a good situation there.
0: And you've mentioned your grandkids a couple of times. Um, and, you know, they've gone on. You have grandkids playing college basketball now, too, the full circle. Uh, and I also want to mention your your granddaughter, Ryan, who people know from her uh, her battle that she went through with cancer and came through. I asked you about her when we talked on the phone recently. So just uh, what kind of things do you do with your grandchildren now and all this time? And just uh, just talk about how proud, I guess, you are of them.
1: Well, I, I am. Uh, you know, it's, it's such a. I, I heard a lot about what it was like to be a grandparent, and, and uh, it, most of it was true. It, uh, you know, I love watching them, seeing them play, and seeing them progress. And, and uh, you know, I love when they. Uh, I, know, I know my grandchildren probably uh, hated to see me uh, get out of college coaching because they knew I was going to coach somebody, and they were going to be the victims. So <laughs> my oldest grandson, Daniel, is, plays at Christian Brothers University. So, uh, you know, I'd, I'd uh, help him where I thought I could. And, and then we've got some younger uh, children. Nicky's got two boys at play and Brad's uh, son. And, uh, so they're, they're all involved in, uh, you know, things that I, I love to watch them participate. And I am proud of them and uh, proud, proud of my children, too.
0: What's it? Um, you know, when you're now in this level, you you mentioned coaching youth basketball and stuff like that. What's it like though when you just go to a game and sit in the stands? Is it? Can you take off that old coach's hat, or do you still like? Oh, I would have done that differently, or can you just enjoy it now?
1: Yeah, I, I, you watch the game a little differently. Uh, I, I do anyway, and uh, you know, I, I like to watch the game, so I try to try to get off uh, to myself. I know this sounds kind of bad, but I really don't want to talk a lot <laughs> during the game. I like watching the game, and I do watch it in probably a little different than, than than I don't think you could help but watch it differently after 50 years of coaching. And uh, so, uh, yeah, it, it it is a little different. And I, I like to see the adjustments that coaches make and uh, their style of play. The game has changed so much. Uh, you know, I can remember the day when. You didn't set any ball screens, probably because Coach Bob Knight said that wasn't a good thing. You know, you didn't want to take another defender on the ball. Now you see ten ball screens in two possessions, so uh, the game's really changed. And uh, you know, I, I I really appreciate the coaches who can adjust and uh, make those changes and adjust to the game.
0: What do you think made? Your your you your program so successful over the years. What what traits did you put into the into the program, and and why was the bar you set the bar so high during your tenure?
1: I think the thing that uh, best for us was the continuity and consistency. Uh, we would bring in a group of young players, and <clears throat> the older players would really tell them and show them how we do it and you know it was a cycle that would turn over and uh, that was really important to us and that's why uh, i i don't know i'd be very good uh currently with the uh recruiting out of the portal and having new kids all the time uh, because it's hard to develop that uh, continuity and consistency so that's the number one thing for us was the old guys being able to show the new guys and then the new guys became the old guys and then we would recycle it. You know that worked for us until we had my last uh, five years here we had three key players, two all-conference players and a point guard who missed a total of 54 games uh, due to injuries. Uh, Anthony Campbell was in that group. I think he was well on his way to being an outstanding OVC player and Don Fraley, we lost him for a while. Uh, so we we had to recruit a little differently and uh, we just weren't able to match that that uh, process uh, and uh, it did showed. We had some great kids but they came out of different programs and we were kind of on the run at that time. And, uh, so that was the big thing over the whole career. If I had to pick one thing, it was being able to um, develop that continuity.
0: Now, as um, as serious as you were in the sidelines, and maybe some of those stares you could give the officials, um, your sense of humor, people told me, I need to ask you about that. Like, you like to have fun away from it and you know, pull some pranks on your, on your coworkers or your coaches. How, how did you you know, how do you keep it light with those, with your coaches and, and, and the people you work for? Cause you did have that one very serious demeanor when you're sitting there on the bench.
1: Well, actually I, you know, people tell me about that, that scowl and so <laughs> forth. And I, you know, that, that was my happy face. I mean, you <laughs> ought to see me when I'm really upset, <laughs> but I like to laugh. I, I really, I really do. And I think it's healthy. Uh, so You know, we we had a lot of fun. I I, I know in the office, in the AD's office, uh, I can remember a time when I called in the compliance uh, uh, coordinator and and told her that uh, the mascot uh, wouldn't be available for tomorrow's football game and uh, I needed her to fill in. Well, (laughs) you know, she said, okay. Well, then uh, I, I kind of stood up against the wall around the corner, and she's in there trying on the mascot <laughs> outfit. She's got it all on, just ready to slip on the uh, the governor's head. And uh, there were some words that were not so kind coming <laughs> out of her mouth about me. Can you believe it? But, uh, you know, things like that, you really, you really remember. I you know, for instance, during the games, I, I remember playing Cincinnati uh, with Bob Huggins' team uh, in in uh, Clarksville. We had to go there three times, and they came here once. Uh, but uh, they had an All-American guard named Durden, and, uh, you know, we were playing pretty well. We, we actually led uh, in the second half, and we had a young guy named Cole Casman who hit a couple threes, and, and Durden was guarding him and uh, he uh, our guy started trash talking a little bit well Jermaine Savage rushes up to him and said would you stop it please and he said why he said cuz i have to guard this guy on the other end so if you if you could knock off the trash talking that'll probably help so uh, there's a lot of lot of things that you remember uh, you know we had a lot of fun a uh, lot of a lot of hard work a lot of hours but uh, we did manage to fit in some fun
0: yeah. If you don't have that fun, those long hours don't seem quite as worth it. So fun. And then that, that winning, obviously when you, when you do, when those games makes, makes up for it too, but well, coach, I, I can't thank you enough for your time and just all the things you did for the OVC and OVC basketball and uh, you are always great to, uh, to work with when, when we work together. So, um, just the best, best to you in retirement and, and know you always have a place to come and, and watch uh, at the OVC tournament. And if that's near people or way up in the corner where you're not near anybody, um, you can do that too.
1: Thanks Kyle. It's uh, been my pleasure and it's a real honor to have been uh, part of the OVC. I, I uh, cherish that, those times.
0: That was my conversation with Coach Luce. When you think OVC basketball, you have to think about Dave Luce. He did things the right way, and that led to tremendous success on the court. If you have a suggestion for a future guest, reach out to us on Twitter, at OVC Sports. As we celebrate our 75th anniversary, we want to hear from a variety of former coaches, players, and administrators to get different perspectives on what has made the OVC great over the years. Remember to find us on your favorite podcast platform and like and subscribe to help us spread the word. You can also visit ovcsports.com/podcasts for more information. Until next time, take care.